Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. For weeks, we talked about the what ifs. The what if, what if, what if. Well, what if has turned into what is, or at least uh, what will be, as uh, as we record this right now, DeAndre Hopkins has not officially signed with the Tennessee Titans, but he has said on social media he's going to do it. Mike Vrabel has, concern- has confirmed it publicly, and... Uh, and the the reaction from Titans fans seems to be equal parts relief and euphoria. I would say as the uh, as the the situation at wide receiver, which has which has been a huge question mark throughout the off season, suddenly uh, suddenly gets a whole lot better, and uh, and and how the offense will work, I think, gets a whole lot clearer. Uh, we will we will look at this. And uh, of course, and and some other things in this episode of the Believe in Titans podcast with our usual lineup, former Titans cornerback Denard Walker. Denard, how are you? I'm doing good this evening, David. Yourself? Doing great, thank you. And uh, John Glennon of the Nashville Post. John, how are you? I'm doing well. Hope you guys are doing good. Denard, I got to start with you. I think uh, I think you were probably the most confident throughout this process that. Uh, that, that Hopkins would would decide on the Titans. He ultimately uh, a- accepted a two year contract uh, that, that's heavy with incentives, but uh, but not as heavy as it seems as what uh, New England and, and Kansas City uh, ha- had offered him. A, a little more, a uh, little more, I guess, a certainty in terms of what he's going to earn from the Titans. Uh, what, what was, uh, what was your reaction when you heard it? What, uh, you know, having had a little time to digest it, what, what, what do you make of the decision now and what it means to this offense? Well, it means that this offense has gotten like about 90 times better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, going into the season, if you would have told me, David, that, uh, Chris Moore, Nick Westbrook, Akine, Cal Phillips, and Racy McMath, uh, Mason Kinsey, uh, Colton Dow, if you would have told me that this group was going to beat you or they were going to add a, a different dimension uh, to this Titans offense, I would have told you you're crazy. But now when you add D-Hop, you're talking about one player is equivalent to about 20 great players, and this would be a huge. I heard about the deal. It can be somewhere about a two-year, $26 million, up to $6 million, excuse me, in incentives. But excuse me, David, but you know who you have to thank the most uh, for this deal being done or getting done? Who's that? Bill Belichick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying, Bill Belichick, thank you so much. Uh, your ego, whatever it is, ego got into the way because the Patriots, it looked like everything was going their way. I mean, what, they had about $17 million in cap space. So, I mean, they had the money to do it. And the fact that he he opted to sign six special teams players and he's going to make Juju Smith-Schuster his number one. Tennessee, hey, they they won out of this deal. So I'm glad for the Titans and Rand Carthon getting this done. 
Yeah, uh, you know, John, a, a huge move, I think, for for Rand Carthen in terms of uh, uh, kind of putting the fan base at ease. You know, he, he's a guy who preached patience throughout the off season. Um, you know, now uh, now has has made made a move that uh, more so than any move I think he's made throughout the offseason, you could argue, and, and and probably wouldn't argue much otherwise, right, that that this is a move that makes the Titans clearly better. I would, would absolutely agree. You know, to me, you know, as you, as you look at the Titans, uh, you know, a few days ago as they were getting ready for camp, you saw two gaping holes, two big, big question marks. One was wide receiver in my mind, and the other is, is offensive line. Uh, you know, and, and I'm sure, you know, later on in the, in the podcast, we'll talk a little bit about what may be happening on the offensive line uh, in terms of potentially adding George Fant. But what we know now for, for nearly certain, uh, he hasn't quite signed the uh, papers yet, but that DeAndre Hopkins uh, is, is going to be coming aboard. Uh, and yeah, that, that makes a huge difference. I mean, there was not, you know, we've talked about this before. There's not a huge gap, I don't think, between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans uh, last year. You know, you remember it came down to the last game for who wins the division title. Titans are winning down in Jacksonville until Josh Dobbs, you know, turns the ball over. Uh, So to me, you know, you add a a wide receiver of this caliber, assuming he is still top flight wide receiver, and I'm sure we can get into this uh, as well also, Assuming he uh, still has his health, and, and again we can get into this as well. But but that's a that's a massive massive move I think for the Titans, uh, and then something that's going to really impact Traylon Burks, going to uh, impact Chigo Conquo, Derrick Henry. You know the the list goes on. So a huge win for Rand Carthen. Really uh, uh, an, an impressive start to his uh, to his first year. Yeah, I. Uh... I said it in the open that, you know, there, there's so much more clarity, I think, with the offense right now. It, um, you look at it, you know, Traylon Burks as your number two receiver with a with the potential to eventually grow into a number one feels a lot different than Traylon Burks being forced to be the number one receiver because there's there's clearly nobody else, right? Chigo Conquo now looks like a matchup nightmare for defenses where the you know the, the Titans will be able to find matchups that that defenses don't want because they have to deal with DeAndre Hopkins and Derrick Henry and, and Traylon Burks in most cases ahead of that uh, you know Derrick Henry's job looks so much easier right now because teams aren't going to want to just put eight and nine guys in the box all the time, knowing that you've got a, a one-on-one nightmare out there in DeAndre Hopkins, a a guy who, uh, who is one of the best in the NFL at at contested catches. And, you know, all you have to do is, is throw it up to him sometimes and, and he'll make the play. And, uh, um, you know, Denard, we, we saw this too on Twitter. He, he talked about how he loves having haters and, and he, he, he seems to enjoy the, the reaction from places like Kansas City and New England, uh, to, to his decision. Uh, you, you get the sense that this guy at, at 31 years old is, is still really motivated too. And, and not just, you know, wasn't just out there looking for a paycheck necessarily that this guy, this guy for all he's accomplished still feels like he has some things to, to prove to some folks. Do you, do you see it that way? 
Absolutely, David, because he's 31 years old. This is a what probably a two-year deal, so we don't know what's going to happen after that. But, David, there's something that defines greatness in this league, and there's something that has eluded D-Hop. And you know what that is? Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. I mean, that's what you're defined by in this league, not what you get compensated. That's what people, when they look at you, they want to see how many Super Bowls have you won when you finish up over your career. So he has no Super Bowl rings. And I'll tell you what, now he's here in Tennessee. We're talking about this is a great franchise. You know you have consistency at the coaching. Uh, with Mike Vrabel's been here for, what, the last six years. If you look at his assistance, I mean, everything's intact for D-Hop. But, David, you know, what I love about this, this move is it, it has nothing to do with money. Well, it has everything to do with money. But if you're D-Hop, you're looking at a team that's just two years off from winning the AFC. And you're looking at an organization right now, other than last year, they didn't have the pieces in play, especially when you're talking about the perimeter game. So now that you add D-Hop, what do you get? It adds depth. But what you also get with D-Hop is you get experience, David. If you look at this receiving core, I mean, just look at the receivers other than Chris Moore, who's 30 years old. You got Nick, who's 26, Racy's 24, Kyle's 24. I mean, they're young and they're inexperienced. That's what D-Hop is going to bring to this receiving court, and he's going to bring an added dimension to this offense. David, you alluded to the fact, and I, and I, can't, I can't get this out of my mind, you said it best that he's probably the best receiver going uh, when you talk about contested balls. And, David, I went back to that game in 2020 against Buffalo. How in the world did he make that catch over three of the top safeties in the league and one of the best corners in Tredavious White to win that game against uh, – uh, who was that? Buffalo. I'm sorry. And uh, uh, what was that? Uh, they end up winning 32-30. That, that's crazy. He, he's done it to the Titans his whole career, too. I mean, uh, I mean, th- this team, this team has seen it that, you know, the, the real challenge, I guess, will be for him and uh, him and Ryan Tannehill to figure one another out because, you know, D-Hop is a guy who will uh, who will improvise a little bit. I remember a game here at Nissan Stadium a couple of years ago when he was still with Houston and and he and Deshaun Watson had a real good understanding of one another. I talked to several of the defensive assistant coaches after, you know, a couple of days after that game and it and it was one where uh where Watson got forced off his spot and Hopkins was running a deep in and for you know like there was no reason for him to do it, but he stuck his foot in the ground, turned and went back toward the sideline. And Deshaun Watson saw it happening and put the ball right on the money for a huge, I think it was a big third. It was like, it was like third and 12 and ended up being a 15 yard gain or something, something ridiculous where it, it clearly wasn't drawn up that way. But those two, you know, those two read each other perfectly, understood it. And, you know, Tannehill's a guy who does like, you know, he's pretty particular. That's one thing he will talk to his receivers. I, you know, I think you should be doing this when you see this and, and those guys are going to have to work that out, but you know, they're, they're both, they're both pros and, and they've both done it a long time. I I would assume that's not going to be a huge, a huge process to go through. There is, there is of course history that, uh, that DeAndre Hopkins is going to have to fight against here. When you talk about, uh, the Titans and 
highly accomplished wide receivers late in their careers or relatively late in their careers. And, you know, I'll just run down the list real quickly. Carl Pickens in 2000, Eric Moulds in 2007, Randy Moss in 2010, Andre Johnson in 2016, and then uh, and then Julio Jones most recently here. Uh, you know, n- none of those moves paid off anywhere near the way the, the Titans planned or hoped. And, I mean, you're talking about, Different quarterbacks, different head coaches, different coordinators, different general managers, and, and yet this thing has worked out almost the same every time. You know, John, you talked about it. Uh, assuming he's healthy, uh, assuming he is the receiver he has uh, he has been. Uh, you know, can you assume those things? Is there is there much more reason for optimism here that uh, that DeAndre Hopkins will break this spell, so to speak? You know, I I think there is. You know, first I was I was going to mention you. Know, you guys were talking about motivation just a minute ago, and I wanted to, to add to that also. Um, you know, to me, the the very fact that he signed when he signed to me is a, is a sign that he's pretty excited to get going, and he's pretty excited about playing with the Tennessee Titans. Because we've talked for weeks about how we expected, or or you know, at least uh, you know, a consideration might be that he might wait all the way up until training, maybe even weeks into training camp to sign in order to get as many teams pursuing him um, as as possible, you know, in order to potentially have injuries occur with other teams, make other teams more desperate. Instead, you know, he's the one who agrees to terms, uh, you know, more than a week before training camp, um, you know, and and he's, uh, there were only two teams, as far as we know, that were in the pursuit. So here's a guy that, that to me, is, is really fired up and ready to go, um, I, I think there's there's reason to believe that that he can break this sort of streak of of the the aging wide receivers that haven't fared well here. Um, you look at you you do look at the fact that he has had some injuries the last couple of years. He had the MCL uh, and a hamstring issue in 2021. Uh, he had a little bit of a flare up with the, with the knee last year, but really the MCL is the only significant uh, injury that he is he has dealt with. Uh, but you know, throughout his career, for the most part, uh, and and then you know, as far as whether he's in decline or not, I think you know, if you go back and you look at last year, uh, the games that he played with Kyler Murray, Arizona's starting quarterback, only played four games with Kyler Murray because either Murray was hurt, uh, or DeAndre Hopkins was missing, either either for injury or, or for the PED suspension. But in those four games, thirty catches. Uh, almost 400 yards, three touchdowns. He was averaging 13 yards a catch. Um, that's pretty good. It's a pretty good indication that when he is still playing with a respectable top-flight quarterback, he is at the top of his game. So I I, I like it. I, I, are there reasons for concern? Yes. The age, the downfield ability is not quite as great as it was, nor is the yards after catch as great as it was. But I still think that the Titans are, are getting the top flight receiver. And we know, you know, as desperate as the Titans were, they they had to make this happen with the wide receiver room that they had. And, and let's let me ask you this, Denard, real quickly, too, that, you know, the first couple of days of training camp, I, I, I think players are excited to get back, get back to work, do all those sorts of things uh, for this locker room, particularly the guys on offense. What? You know how much more juice does this give them as they're getting ready to to come to town and 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 get this thing going? Are those guys much more excited than they were a couple of days ago? Now, 
Man, this this kind of move, David, it it will galvanize a unit. I mean, you're talking about one of the most explosive receivers in the league over the last decade. David, this just brings so much excitement. It brings an expectation. Now, it raises the expectations. Before, I didn't have Tennessee as a potential Super Bowl contender if they was to go into this season with that receiving core that, that we thought was going to be on paper. Now that you add D-Hop to the mix – David, I'm telling you something, this opens up new doors now because now you know that you have one of the most explosive receivers over the last decade, not to mention you have a young and up-and-coming stud in Traylon Burks. I went back and watched Burks last season. I just watched some of the games, and I go back the game <clears throat> against Green Bay where he had, what, that 111 yards for seven receptions. This is what made Traylon really stand out is that he was going one-on-one with Jair Alexander. Jair Alexander. Pretty good player, by the way. Pretty good. They paid him, what what was it, 60-some million? It was 66 million. I stopped counting after 50. And I'm thinking, you know, that's why I said I can't stand these young boys. They're getting paid. But he went against Jair Alexander. They matched him up. And David, do you remember David and John? It was at the end of the game, and Tennessee had that little drive, and he had that long bomb. Ron hits uh, uh, trailing. And and I'm like, you know what, Jair didn't have a – he didn't have a chance. But then you can go back in that Philly game. The only bright spot on offense that game, and really what turned the tie – is when Traylon went out the game, they didn't have any other offense other than Derek. But what I love about Traylon is we saw that explosive. We saw how he can top the defense. Now what happens when you bring D-Hop into the equation, what's going to happen, that creates what we call mismatches uh, on the other side of the ball. So if you're a defender, the question is, if you're a defensive coordinator, who do you double? We talked about that last week. Who do you double? Do you say, well, when I look at that film, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm going to double Traylon Burks, and I'm going to say, hey, listen, D-Hop said he can still get over 1,000 yards receiving. Well, this would be a great chance to prove it because now you're going to create a lot of one-on-one matchups. Exactly, and uh, and you could, you could make the argument now that the – you know, the biggest remaining question for the Titans is the offensive line. And, and in a lot of ways now the pressure is on that offensive line to, to get sorted out and get it, uh, and, and make sure they give Ryan Tannehill the time to, to distribute the ball to these targets that he has who are, who are going to have better, so many better options now. There, it's on that, it's on the line to, to create holes for Derrick Henry so that teams still have to respect the run and and uh and sell out at points to try and stop him and uh John you uh you mentioned it earlier the uh the Titans reportedly will work out veteran uh tackle George Fant uh this weekend and and possibly another big addition coming in here before uh before training camp a guy who's a a bowling green kentucky native played at western kentucky so he's just up the road uh from just up the road this would be sort of a homecoming for him you uh you feel like this is going to happen too i think it's the it's the best solution um out there right now you know i think for one thing you know generally with an offensive line you know, even though they'd only just had the off season uh, together so far, you like to try to keep you know a position secure, like to keep guys in the same spot, let them gel a little bit, develop a little uh, chemistry with one another. And, and so this, you know, assuming they go ahead and sign George Fant and bring him in at right tackle, that allows you to uh, to keep all the other four positions the same. 
you know, there's a thought that maybe Daniel Brunskill, the right guard, might move over there because he has played right tackle in the past. And then all of a sudden you're you're mixing and matching other other uh, you know spots, trying to fill other positions. This allows you to keep those other positions the same, and it also instead of turning that position over to a, a rookie like Jalen Duncan, a six-round draft pick who hadn't played that much right tackle, or kind of a journeyman, uh, you know, swing man in Jamarco Jones, who also has not played that much right tackle. This, to me, is is the best of all possible solutions. It's not not perfect. Uh, George Fant did not actually have a great year uh, last year. Uh, you know, he actually played only eight games, was dealing with a knee injury uh, much of the year, uh, gave up five sacks, took seven penalties. Um, you know, numbers were not good, PFF. Uh, but there, there's probably a reason for that, and, and that is it sounds as if the knee injury he suffered at the end of 2021 still bothered him for much of last year. But if they can get the George Fant back to the form of, of previous to last year, it's a solid, a good right tackle. In 2021, I think it was uh, only gave up one or two sacks and 600 pass blocking snaps. Uh, you know, good PFF numbers. Uh, a guy who's had big time experience at the position, you know, hundreds of snaps over the years at at right tackle, 60 starts in the NFL. So I think I think that is the way to go. You know, we don't we don't know any contract numbers. There is no contract yet. Um, and I'm sure the Titans are, are going to get probably stung by it a, a little bit. But, you know, what, what are you going to do? You're, you're in a pretty desperate position due to the suspension of NPF, something the Titans didn't have direct control over. So, you know, this is the, the recourse that you have to take. Uh, and, and I think this is the this is a wise move if they can get it done. Yeah. I, I, you know, it- you talk about his experience and, and his 60 starts. That's that's more starts than than any of their projected starters at offensive line right now have. You know, Daniel Brunskill has the most career starts of that group right now with uh, with 42. Then you got Aaron Brewer with 23. Petit Frere, who is who's going to miss the first six games. The reason we're talking about maybe adding a, a George Fant, you know, started obviously last year. Andre Dillard, nine career starts, and then of course Peter Skaronsky has has none as a as a rookie. So, uh, um, Denard, you bring in a guy like that. What sort of what 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 would you expect the immediate impact to be? And and you know, would he be expendable once a uh, once a Nicholas Petit Frere comes off the suspension, or or do you think a a guy with with that kind of experience it'd, it'd be worthwhile to to hang on to him and and, and keep him around for the whole season if uh, you know if, if he assuming he's playing the way you think when when you when when you get to week seven. Well, the big man said and he quoted that the only thing the Titans had to do was to call him. And uh, it's pretty much a done deal. Yeah. So that obviously tells you he wants to come to Tennessee and not to mention he's from what Bowling Green and uh, went with Western Kentucky. I had a chance to watch big George. He was a, what's interesting is big fat, man. He was a, what I can convert it to. He was a tight end. And what's weird is that you will see him on a lot of those, what they call that hybrid tight end position where they bring in like that ineligible receiver. Uh, and uh, he's a, he, what he would add, at least in my opinion, he would add depth to this offensive unit. When I look at this offensive line, you, we know that Dillard, you know, he's got to play at that left tackle position because of what they paid him. You talk about Daniel Bronskill at the guard, and I'm just anticipating this is the starting lineup. Aaron Brewer, I think Big Roos is going to win that right guard position. And then you got Peter Skaronsky moves out to your right tackle. So what George meant, what he offers to this uh 
this unit is just dead, John. Not to, not to mention, what was that, in 2020, he signed a big deal with the New York Jets. What was it, like a $30 million contract, started 13 games, and he played both left and right. So, David, if you can bring in a player of that quality, then what you end up getting is a player that can play on both sides right now while you have uh, Nicholas petit Frere serving as suspension. So this can be a huge addition to that offensive unit in 2023. Yeah, and and another move that I think would – uh, again, like adding DeAndre Hopkins, it would it would sort of allay a lot of fears among the fan base because it, you know, there is a lot of uncertainty with that offensive line, and there's quite a bit of uh, inexperience. And, and if it does work, I, I mean, I, I would say your scenario, Denard, is the best case scenario. If you if you don't need this guy to start for even the first six weeks, and he's your he's your swing tackle, that gives you. Uh, that that gives you a lot of uh, a lot of flexibility and and a lot of comfort and uh, relative to to what you've had to this point in the off season it's uh uh you know again it, it, assuming assuming this deal gets done I, I think i think the one thing we ought to be able to give brand carthen credit for in his first few months in, in, as a general manager is patience you know he didn't uh he didn't just throw money around early in the free agency just to say, "Look at what I'm doing here." He, uh, um, you know, he 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 made some moves, but didn't you know wasn't in a rush just to get to 90 guys on the roster and and say, "Okay, here we are, let's go." And uh, we we should say, speaking of the 90 man roster limit, that uh, it looks like free agent rookie running back Chuck McClelland is the guy who is going to be. Uh, released uh, to make room for uh, DeAndre Hopkins. At least his agent has said that uh, that he will be back on the street and available to other teams. So uh, good luck to uh, good luck to Chuck McClellan. But while we're talking about running backs, uh, most of the league has been talking about running backs the last few days because uh, Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, all – saw the deadline for guys on franchise tenders to uh saw that deadline pass in the without getting uh without getting long-term contract extensions so their only choices now are to play this season on the uh on the franchise tag which is a little over 10 million dollars that's not guaranteed until they play in week one and uh or or they just they just sit out and Saquon Barkley has said that that he considers that an option uh interestingly Derrick Henry uh stepped up on social media and and a guy who uh who typically tries to say as as little as possible to the media who 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 tries to you know not create waves at all but uh but sort of you know answers questions just out of a sense of duty and responsibility, which I, I, I think, you know, that that's fine. That's certainly his prerogative. He he was one of the most outspoken and, and most interesting in, in terms of public reaction to this, to, to this point, John, you know, what, what do you, what did you make of uh, Derek Henry's comments? How surprising uh, was it to you what he said? And what, Ryan, why don't you run down for us exactly what he said? Yeah, he, he basically said, "Hey, if this is kind of the the uh, respect you're going to give to to running backs, if this is the way you you value running backs, go ahead and take the position out of the game. Um, you know, it's, if it's not that important, yeah, who who needs it then? 
Uh, and I, I was surprised because Derrick Henry isn't a guy who generally rocks the boat and brings attention, you know, upon himself in, in that way. But, you know, one thing you maybe have to wonder about a little bit is you wonder, is, is Derrick Henry maybe also thinking a little bit ahead to next year, you know, when, when he will not have a contract and maybe wondering what lies in store for, for him, a uh, running back who will be uh, over, over 30 at that point and, and kind of wondering what his value be when you see guys like Dalvin Cook getting released. You see Joe Mixon, you know, taking a, taking a big pay cut to stay in Cincinnati. Uh, and and the, the three backs that you mentioned, Jacobs, Barkley, and Pollard, all getting, you know, just the franchise deals, uh, franchise tags. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's some questions going going around and around with, with Derrick Henry uh, as well. But, you know, it's I, I understand certainly where, where Derrick Henry and the other running backs are frustrated, but I'm not sure, you know, it, I certainly don't think it's a it's a vast conspiracy on the part of owners to say we don't like running backs and we're not going to pay them. I think, you know, I mean, it's a salary cap sport. You divvy up your money as, as best you decide, you know, and, and it's pretty clear right now that owners and general managers and coaches are saying that running back is not the most important for them, that other positions, quarterback, wide receiver, uh, you know, tackles, edge rushers, cornerbacks, just like Denard, are, are, are all, you know, more important than, the, uh, than, than running backs at this point. Running backs basically – what the league is saying in effect is running backs are, are a diamond a dozen for the most part, not all, but for the most part, and they are replaceable, uh, especially when it comes to offering that second contract, you know, it just doesn't seem to be worth it. Um, so that's where, where it stands. And then there are some various solutions that have been proposed that are, that are kind of interesting, uh, you know, that, that I, I've seen, uh, you know, one is maybe make running backs uh, three-year rookie deals instead of four. You know, that way they get to that second contract a little quicker, less wear and tear. Another one has said that, uh, okay, maybe we have one franchise tag for all wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs. Basically a, a playmaker franchise tag instead of just the running backs. Uh, and then I saw one uh, pro football talk that sounds a little loony, but uh, some kind of a league one fund that would pay running backs for yards tds and 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 playing time not sure that one would work but you know I, all these solutions I, I think would have to be negotiated obviously between the nflpa and the nfl uh you know and, and the cba as it stands right now goes through 2030 so in the, in the short term i i don't know if there's a real great solution i understand the frustration and pain of running backs and derrick henry but i just don't know you know how to how to fix supply and demand uh, at this point. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think it's a classic case, and 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 certainly the the notion of a three year contract rookie contract for running backs, for example, that that speaks to it. I I don't know if it's that uh, if it's that that teams think running backs are a dime a dozen. It's that it's that you want to pay for what a guy's going to do, not. Right what a guy has done and you know you just see so often it seems like running backs sort of hit that cliff and 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 they fall off in production very suddenly very and and it's almost like you go from earning every penny to to just being almost useless to teams and uh and and your point about Derrick Henry going into a contract year saying something like this is is well taken and and Derrick is a guy who I think you know, I think the way the Titans used him and the production he showed in 2019-2020 sort of has fueled a, a resurgence 
in teams being willing to ride with one running back. You look at what's happened with Jonathan Taylor the last couple of years. You look at what happened with Josh Jacobs when, you know, all the, you know, up until, up until 2019, back half of 2019, really, you know, everybody's saying, well, you need two running backs. It's got to be a platoon system. And, and Derrick Henry has sort of reminded the league that, that no, if you've got a guy who's big and strong and fast and tough enough, just keep giving him the ball and let him, uh, let let him beat down on defenses and 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 Henry, you know, we've talked about it with his with his workouts and and it, the the way he takes care of his body and it, and his willingness to to do all the things to get ready. As he gets older, if his production doesn't fall off significantly, he I think he can sort of I think he can sort of change some perception in terms of how much how long teams should be willing to pay running backs too uh you know whether whether that works out for others obviously we'll we'll, we'll have to see you know we'll have to see what what Derek does in in this year his contract year possibly his last year with the Titans but but Denard you know you're talking about you were talking about big contracts earlier do you you have any sympathy for for running backs or do you, do you see this as just part of the cyclical nature of the NFL and it'll come back around at some point. I have sympathy because I have sympathy for all players that play that game. And there's no harder position in this league than running backs because David and John, you are always getting hit. We saw that Well, this goes back way before any of us was probably before I was here. I remember when Earl Campbell, when he played eight seasons and what was that? How many years he played in Houston? Was it the 78 through 84? And we yeah. saw kind of at the end how Earl was just kind of beat up. And, and Earl ended up getting another job in New Orleans because Bob Phillips went to New Orleans to become the Saints coach. But what was interesting, David, the reason that I have sympathies, sympathy for running backs is this, David, and this is alarming, uh, is that the average salary, David, and I was reading this by the L.A. Times, it says the average salary for a kicker is greater than that of a running back. Kickers are averaging about $2.26 million a year. Running backs are averaging about $1.81 million a year. David, that's called a disparity in this league, kickers to running back. And then you know what this goes back up on? This goes back up. You remember when Todd Gurley back, it was that in 2020, he signed that massive $57 million contract with the Rams. He was the talk of the town. And what was it like a couple of months later after that knee injury, he was released three months after signing that contract. Uh, that right there tells you what this league, how they value running backs. There's an old saying, it says, mama, mamas don't let your babies grow up to be running backs. And I'm glad that I didn't fill out my frame and stayed skinny and got moved to defensive back. And I remember David, and this goes back when I was at Denver, uh, I saw this uh, clearly and I was like, okay, this is ridiculous because I remember when I got there in 2001, do you remember when Terrell Davis, 95 through 98, he had the best four years out of any any running back in the league and in history other than OJ Simpson. He signs that massive, in what was in 1998, that nine-year, $56 million deal. And then he ends up getting that ACL uh, injury in 99. He never was the same. So when you look at when I got to Denver, they had this what we call running back by committee. They end up plugging in Orlandis Gary and re- replace. He ended up replacing Terrell Davis. Orlandis Gary goes over at that 1,000 yard. He gets hurt. 
Orlandis Gary goes, when he goes down, Mike Anderson steps up. He rushes over a thousand yards. And then all of a sudden, Clinton Portis is drafted in the second round in 2002. And then after Clinton Portis leave uh, to go to Washington because Denver wouldn't give him a massive, they didn't give a massive deal. They end up plugging in Ruben Drones, who was an undrafted free agent out of Oregon. He ends up rushing for a thousand yards. What, what, what message is they're sending is that it's not so much the running back, David, it's the system. And that is wrong. You got to, Hey, if you don't have a quality running back in this league, you won't win. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I, to Derek Henry, I congratulations for stepping up and to Saquon Barkley, I commend you for sending the finger to New York. And it wasn't the uh, ring finger that he sent to, to tell organization. This is what I think about your, uh, excuse me, not getting a deal done. Yeah, if they uh, if, if if those guys play this year on the franchise tag, they they will not be among the top two hundred play highest paid players in the league. You, so you're telling me that there are there are two hundred players worth more than Saquon Barkley and two hundred players worth more than Josh Jacobs. That's a uh, th- that's a tough argument to make. Not this year, but in four years. You know that that's the, that's the question that yeah. that has to be answered. You know, but I'm just gonna. I, I know we're running out of time. I was gonna uh, real quick. I was gonna point out Chris Johnson, you know, CJ2K on his podcast here recently. You know, was coming up in defense of the running backs too, and he brought up the year that after his great or a really good 2010 year. You know, he held out uh, for for a new deal and and uh, you know said, "Hey, I'm not just a running back. I'm a playmaker. You know, so pay me like a playmaker, not just a running back." And the Titans eventually came around to that way of thinking, got a four-year, $53 million deal. Unfortunately, he got cut three years later, and, and he never he never gained the same amount of yardage that he did in, in 2010. So he kind of defeated his argument just a little bit in, in that regard. So that's kind of the question that, that execs have to face with running backs, I think. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh... – and and we'll you know that'll be that'll be one of the big storylines next offseason, at least early part of next offseason. What uh, what Rand Carthen will want to do? Uh, Rand Carthen, a former running back, by the way, will want to do with uh, with Derrick Henry. But uh, we will be we will be diving into the 2023 season headfirst next week. Uh, until then, Denard Walker, thank you, sir. Thanks, David. I got one thing to say. It was actually two years after signing that deal, David, not two three months. All right. Yes, of course. John Glennon, thank you. Thank you. And uh, for everybody listening, thank you. This is the Believe in Titans podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.